calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Greetings, adventurers. Today we're excited to introduce you to a new story, Dark Dice, a horror podcast that blurs the line between actual play and audio drama, where the story is determined by the role of the dice. Six adventurers embark on a journey into the ruinous domain of the Nameless God. They will never be the same again. One of the players is not what they seem after a doppelganger, a creature that can assume the form and voice of whatever it kills, infiltrates the team. As the players are picked off and replaced one at a time, can they figure out who the monster is before it's too late? Can you? Here's a quick example of what our show sounds like. The, uh, shambler with the jar of liquid inside of him. Soren Arkwright let loose an arrow that cracked the glass, passing through the spine of the creature. The shambler still managed to maintain its forward momentum, but stumbled as it eagerly tried to bite and swipe at Soren, landing near his feet. As Jeff Goldblum has now joined our cast, Dark Dice is available however you listen to podcasts. Welcome to the Drabblecast, episode 317. The Drabblecast is a weekly audio fiction magazine that brings strange stories by strange authors to strange listeners, such as yourself. I'm your host, Norm Sherman. This week, Women and Aliens Month continues here on the Drabblecast with Doubleheader Special 14, where we feature two different stories by one featured author. This week, we bring you the work of Carolyn M. Yoakum with the stories Harmonies of Time and A Crown of Woven Nails. Carolyn's a writer and photographer living in Seattle, Washington. She's a Clarion West graduate and was nominated for a Nebula Award in 2011 with her novelette Stonewall Truth. Her fictions appeared in Asimov's Lightspeed, Interzone, and Daily Science Fiction, among other places. For more about Carolyn, check out her website at carolynyoakum.com. These stories both originally appeared in the fantastic webzine Daily Science Fiction. As usual, with doubleheader specials on the Drabblecast, you'll be hearing from the author after both stories in an author's note, giving you a little background about the stories, where they came from, the author's process, all that good stuff. Hope you enjoy. The stories are read to you by Tatiana Gomberg. Tatiana is an actress and audiobook narrator who's performed off and off-off Broadway, as well as regionally and internationally. Her work as Mina in The Night of Nosferatu garnered her an NYIT Award nomination for Best Featured Actress, and her portrayal of a drone pilot in Hummingbirds earned her a Best Actress nomination to the Planet Connections Awards. She also played the female leads in two seasons of classics at Theater 1010 and toured the U.S. with TheaterWorks USA. So without further ado, we bring you Harmonies of Time and a Crown Woven of Nails by Carolyn M. Yoakum.
Harmonies of Time by Carolyn M. Yoakum You do not know me yet, my love, but I can hear you in my future. You are there from the beginning, at first just a few stray notes, but your presence quickly grows into a beautiful refrain. I wish you could hear time as I do, my love. But this song was never meant to be heard. The future should be chronobviated, gathered up in feathery pink fronds with delicate threads that waver in and out of alternate timelines. The past should be memographed, absorbed into a sturdy gray tail that stretches back to the beginning of the universe. We humans have neither fronds nor tails, but when the Eternals wanted to talk to us, they found a way to work around that. The melody of my past is simple. When I was 10 years old, I heard my mother's voice for the first time. The doctors worried that I might be too old to adapt to the change. They told me that the sensation might be overwhelming. They explained that sound wouldn't be the same for me as for a child born with hearing. But none of that mattered. As a 10-year-old child, I saw the procedure as a way to be normal, just like all the other kids, and I jumped at the chance. When the doctors turned my cochlear implant on for the first time, I was in a quiet room. My mother gave me a moment to adjust to the hum of the lights, and then she spoke to me. She told me that she loved me, signing as she said the words. When I heard her voice, I cried. I never dreamed that in my lifetime I would gain another sense. But when the Eternals made first contact, they did not ask for politicians or for scientists. They asked for people like me. I had already learned a new sense, and I already had external sensors wired into my nervous system. With my permission, the Eternals altered my cochlear implant, and what they sense as time, I hear as music. So much of what they wanted to say to us was contained in the harmonies of the future, they felt they couldn't communicate with us any other way. It was disorienting at first, far worse than when my cochlear implant had been turned on. That had simply been a cacophony of sound, and the doctors had kept the room quiet to ease my transition. My new sense was a cacophony of time, and not even the Eternals could silence it. Every possible future of the universe echoed in my brain, and it nearly drove me mad. It was you that saved me, my love, even though we have not met. The possibility of you gave me something to hold on to, something human, something simple, something real. In the harmonies of my future, we meet today, and tomorrow, and next year, and never. It is impossible to say for sure, but you sound closer now, so I suspect the time is near. I joke, and you laugh. This is important, because in the strands of harmony where this doesn't happen, I tend to lose you. 
we date for weeks and months and years and not at all. I have the advantage of knowing which harmonies end well, so I will take you on the zipline tour that you will love and avoid that disastrous trip to France. I propose, and you propose, and we never speak of marriage. We have a beautiful ceremony in a church, and on a beach, and at the county courthouse. All our friends come to celebrate with us, or we elope and celebrate alone. We honeymoon in Mexico, and Spain, and Alaska, and sometimes not at all because we can't afford the trip. We buy a house, and live with your parents, and rent a one-bedroom apartment on the 24th floor of a high-rise. Sometimes we have children, and sometimes not. Either way is fine with me, love. But there are things I can't control, even with everything I know. We have two girls, and a boy, and no children, even though we try. We lose children before they are born, and from sickness I cannot prevent, and as a soldier in a foreign war. There are strands in the harmony where you resent me for failing to stop these things. There are strands where I hate myself. But there are other strands with so much joy. Yes, either way is fine with me. The happiness is worth the risk. We grow old together and alone. But the aging is inevitable, avoided only by death. We get glasses and you get a hearing aid and the harmonies of time start to slip away from me. I prefer the strands where you are at my side when I die. But sometimes... You pass first, and I am there with you. The Eternals warned us of a catastrophe that will and won't happen two million years from now. They believed their message was urgent. They failed to comprehend the time scale of our lives, even after we explained. Once they had given their warning, they left in search of others who could not foresee the coming danger. I kept my implant even after the Eternals moved on. I am changed forever by this sense of what has been and what may someday be. Even when the song threatens to overwhelm me, I must listen. I would not cut out my eyes because light is too bright. I would not cut out my tongue after tasting something bitter. I cling to the song of time, even though it makes me doubt my connection to humanity. I am different, yes but I still cry when I think of my mother's voice, cracking with emotion as she tells me that she loves me the first time I ever heard her. The memory helps me remember who I am, no matter how disconnected I may feel. That memory is the next best thing to having you. The harmonies of when we meet collapse into a single note, and we are meeting now. I tell a joke and wait for you to laugh. Oh, I hope you laugh. Please, please laugh. It would be so hard to lose you now that you are here. For an agonizing moment, I wait, and the harmonies of our future waver. Then, you laugh. A sound as sweet as the first time I heard my mother's voice. 
a sound that bodes well for our future. In 98% of all the harmonies I hear, I love you. A Crown of Woven Nails by Carolyn M. Yoakum. My best friend growing up was a splitter named Cobalt. She was nicer than the human kids. They called me Stump because my left hand has no fingers, or Puddle Lover because I spent so much time with Cobalt. Splitters are shapeshifters, but they come from a world with low gravity, so on Earth they get squashed flat to the ground, like puddles. Cobalt got her name because, no matter what color the rest of her was, her edges were always blue. She was embarrassed about it, but I thought the blue was pretty. I remember the last time I played with Cobalt. We were hanging out in the debris from a collapsed building. I collected nails and dropped them into her puddle, and she stretched them into thin strands and wove them together to make a crown. We were going to play at being royalty, but my mother called me in for dinner. Cobalt let me take the crown. I wore it to bed that night and dreamed I was a queen. While I slept, soldiers rounded up all the splitters and put them into camps. Everyone assumed the camps were temporary, but weeks stretched into months and months stretched into years. I made friends with human kids, and eventually they stopped teasing me about my hand. We talked about splitters sometimes, and I was surprised at how many kids thought they were dangerous and actually belonged in camps. I thought it was wrong to keep them locked up, especially after all they'd done for us. The splitters came to Earth after the last atomic war, and with their help, we avoided an apocalypse and suffered only a momentary lapse in civilization. They could manipulate all types of matter as easily as we sculpt clay, and they absorbed the radioactive material left over from the war and made it inert. We should have been grateful, but instead we were frightened by their abilities. We locked them away in camps, deep pits with high walls. It was a stupid thing to do, since nothing humans have ever built could hold a splitter. But they didn't get angry. When we declared them dangerous, the splitters simply waited in the camps for us to change our minds. I tried to find Cobalt once, a few years after the soldiers had taken her away. I figured she'd be in the closest camp, and I snuck out of the house one night and walked over to the highway. My plan was to hitchhike. It was a terrible plan. Most of the vehicles on the road were military trucks, and the very first one picked me up and took me straight back home. In retrospect, it was a lucky trip. I hadn't gotten close enough to the camp to get in any real trouble, and five years later, I married one of the soldiers I'd met while riding home. We had a baby girl and adopted a stray dog. And mostly, I was content. But I kept the crown that Cobalt made, and sometimes I would trace the woven metal with my fingers and wonder what happened to my friend. 
We call the aliens splitters because at adolescence they split in half. Then each half combines with a mate, and they split off blobby little children. When the pits were finally opened, half of Cobalt came back to our neighborhood. I wondered if she was still my friend, now that she was mixed with another splitter. I tucked our crown into my backpack and went to visit her. Her edges were tinged with cobalt blue, just as I remembered. But she'd changed her name to Shimmer. She was teaching her children how to deconstruct water. One of them separated a droplet into hydrogen and oxygen, and the other one recombined the molecules to make water again. I stayed well back from the tiny explosions. I looped the straps of my backpack over my left arm and started to pull out the crown, but I was startled by the loud pop of an explosion, and the backpack slipped off and fell to the floor. Shimmer turned her full attention to me for the first time since I'd arrived, and she told me she could teach my hand to grow new fingers. She meant well, but I was so unprepared for her offer that all I could say was that I would think about it. It had never occurred to Cobalt that I was broken, but it was the only thing that Shimmer noticed about me. Eager to change the subject, I mentioned the crown we'd made, and Shimmer replied that children play such silly games. I felt foolish for bringing the crown with me, and relieved that I hadn't pulled it out of my backpack. I'm not sure what I'd thought would happen. I certainly didn't expect to wear the crown and become a queen. We were too old to play at such things but her dismissal of the memory stung. When I got home, I gave the crown to my daughter. She squealed with excitement, put it on, and ran outside to play. I complained to my husband that the friend I remembered was gone, but he just shrugged and told me I was different too. After all these years, what did I expect? At dusk, I went out looking for my daughter. I found her playing in the abandoned lot down the street. She was perched upon a concrete block with the crown of nails gleaming on her head. On the ground beside her was one of Shimmer's children, who had shaped herself as royalty with a purple gown and a crown that matched the one my daughter wore. They were arguing over which one of them was the queen and which one was the princess. It was time for dinner, but instead I let them play. Cobalt was gone, but I could hear the echo of our friendship in the laughter of our children. Hello, and thanks for listening. I'm Carolyn M. Yoakum, and I'm the author of the two stories you just heard. Both of these stories were written as part of a contest I do every year called Weekend Warrior. The contest is run through Codex, which is an online writing group I'm in, and the basic idea is that participants write a flash fiction story every weekend for five straight weeks. The contest works really well with my writing process for a couple of reasons. Vilar Kaftan, who runs the contest, posts fantastic prompts to help everyone get their stories started, and there's a firm deadline at the end of each weekend to keep me focused. I love writing from prompts. A big part of my process is to collect shiny ideas and mash them together. So prompts make for a great starting place for me. The prompt for Harmonies of Time was to write a story inspired by a tarot card. 
The random selection I got from an online deck was The Outsider, which I don't think is part of a standard deck, uh, although don't quote me on that because I'm definitely not an expert on tarot. In any case, the theme of isolation appealed to me, and around the same time I saw a video of a baby who got cochlear implants and was able to hear his mother's voice for the very first time. It got me thinking about what it might be like to have an entirely new sense, one that humans didn't normally have. All of that mashed together nicely with aliens, and the result was harmonies in time. The prompt for A Crown of Woven Nails was to write a story from the point of view of someone who had a disability, but to have the story be about something other than their disability. When I decided to match that prompt with aliens, I was reminded of octospiders, uh, an alien species in one of the Rama books by Arthur C. Clarke and Gentry Lee. The octospiders communicated by displaying bands of color, and one of them wasn't able to speak properly because all of its colors were shifted too far into the blue end of the visual spectrum. So for my story, I decided to mash together a shape-shifting alien with a somewhat similar disability, uh, blue-tinged edges. And uh, I mashed that with the theme of friendship and how it changes over time, and a post-apocalyptic setting because I'm fond of post-apocalyptic settings. I hope you enjoyed these stories, and if you're interested in checking out more of my fiction, you can find the links on my website at carolynyocum.com. And that was our doubleheader. Hope you enjoyed. Beautiful stories. Always neat to hear from authors about them, too. Usually gives me another neat angle to view the work from. You know, we have our own kind of prompt setting here at the Drabblecast in the Drabble section of our discussion forums at forums.drabblecast.org. Drabbles, as I'm sure you know if you listen to the podcast regularly, are 100-word stories, not a word more or less, and they're fantastic exercises, if not frameworks for full and meaningful pieces in and of themselves. We list out themes of upcoming feature stories in our forums, and you're able to write 100-word Drabbles based on those prompts and post them there in our forums, where they will get read by the community and by the editorial staff. And these days, I'd say a large percentage of the Drabbles that wind up on the show actually come from these prompts. So give it a shot. Visit the Drabble section of our discussion forums, easily findable from our main page, drabblecast.org. It's a great way to jumpstart your creative juices if they've been stalled for a while, or provide regular routine maintenance, even if the creative engines have been humming along just fine. And while you're there at our forums, we also run a 100-character story contest there each week. 100-character stories. We call them Twabbles, where we pick a winner each week there from the Twabble section of our discussion forums. The winner this week was first-time winner Af Grippen. Here goes. The 3.14 Cafe is only open 12 hours a year, from 3.14 a.m. to 3.14 p.m. on March 14th. The price is $3.14 for their special cake. Nice one. We have a special 100-character sizing tool there in our forums to make it easy for you. Go try writing one yourself. We post the winners each week from our Twitter account, which you should totally follow. We're at the Drabblecast. All right, folks, that's our show this week. Remember, the Drabblecast is produced with the Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives License, which means don't change it, don't sell it, but feel free to share it all you like. Write us a review on iTunes, blog about us, spread the weird. Special thanks to our episode artist this week, Christine Dennett. Christine's been a professional illustrator since 1986. Her illustrations have been published in literature and documentaries. Her most recent illustrations can be seen on Ancient Aliens. 
Our program this week was brought to you by managing editor Nathan Lee, our art director, Bo Kyer, with additional help from Nikki Drayden, Tom Baker, David Carvin, and David Steffen. We'll see you next week, weirdos. Until then, this is Norm Sherman reminding you the happiness is worth the risk. The waitress turns chairs upside down. Piano player picks up his tip jar and drink. And the bartender shouts last round. An hour ago, this place was loaded. And noise filled the room like the smoke. And laughter and curses spilled like booze from a glass. Words were all slurred when spoke. Yes, words were all splurred when slow. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.